This episode is brought to you by Rad Dudes Who Love Nature. Good night, guys. Have a good night. Like, good luck with your photos. We're like, thanks. Good luck not getting arrested. <laughs> it was sweet. It was good. They were good some, kids. Some very sweet graffiti puns. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Urban Wildlife Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Billy Brown. On this episode, we've got a conversation with Toronto-based urban wildlife photographer Andrew Budziak about his video series looking at Canadian urban wildlife coast-to-coast from Vancouver to St. John's. You can catch them all on Narcity's YouTube channel, and Narcity is spelled N-A-R-C-I-T-Y. We found out about this because Andrew dropped us a note, which is something you can do if you've got an urban wildlife project, media, research, whatever. Uh, that you'd like to share, you can reach us at urbanwildlifecast at gmail.com, which is where you'll get the fastest reply. We pay a little attention to the cesspool that is Twitter at urbwildlifecast, so if you tweeted us, we'll see it eventually. Heads up that the City Nature Challenge is coming up April 28th to May 1st around the world. If you're not already a iNaturalist user, this is a great time to get the hang of the app and start logging observation. They'll help conservation agencies and scientists learn more about what lives where you live and where you go and you'll be able to take part in the CNC. Think about supporting the podcast on Patreon via our Wildlife Observer Network account. Tony and I don't expect to ever get rich off of this, but a few bucks from our supporters really does help cover the hosting costs, equipment, etc. And now for some quick self-promotion, you can still buy my book, Exploring Philly Nature, A Guide for All Four Seasons. And these days I'm blogging at Substack, Where the Brown Snakes Roam. So if you're looking for that nature writing fix about urban nature, you know where to go. Uh, and without too much further ado, here's my chat with Andrew. Tony was a little under the weather and had to hit the sack too early for our conversation, and he missed out. Andrew is a ton of fun to talk with and even more fun to watch on video. Listen to our conversation and then go look up the series. Do yourself a favor. Andrew, who are you? What do you do? I am an urban wildlife photographer. There aren't too many of us. Um, I'm based here in Toronto. And as far as I know, I'm like the only one in Toronto doing it pretty much full time, uh, possibly in, in Canada. I know there are a few uh, people in the States that shoot a lot of urban wildlife, but that's this is this is my thing. This is my gig. This is what I do. So you don't – and this is what I find fascinating about it. You mentioned this in the introduction to your videos uh, that you're specifically, say, an urban wildlife photographer. Um, and I have to admit, I've never met – I've met lots of wildlife photographers who take pictures of urban wildlife in addition to lots of other wildlife that they take pictures of. Uh, have you, I guess, always specialized in this way? No, it's it's a thing I came to – um, relatively, relatively recently, you know, in the last um, last couple of years, I've been taking photos since I was what fifteen. Um, in in high school, I had a wonderful uh, photo program with with a dark room, and I think um, I'm 37. I think I was the last generation to like have the experience of of, of a dark room in high school, like I developed film, like I, I did that. And I moved, you know, I moved from there sort of into the early stages of digital, which was awful. Um, and then, you know, into the better stages of digital, um, and, you know, doing doing wildlife photography along the way. And yeah, it wasn't until 
probably you know just just a few years ago that I just became obsessed and it it took over you know all of my all of my time and that's what I wanted to do and like very quickly I I lost interest kind of in, in shooting anything else and my goal was like wildlife in cities so you know birders often talk about a spark bird um, something some particular critter that that got them hooked is there a particular animal that that you encountered in Toronto or, or other cities that 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 pulled you into the urban wildlife photography coyotes I love coyotes they're they're incredible um, everything about them is awesome and you know you, you could find them all over the place not just not just in cities but you know the ones in cities are are different. They 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 behave differently. Um, they they learn differently. They you know um, coyotes and that have been in cities um, for generations. You know those places like Arizona and, and and cities where they have a long history of coyotes. Um, they those coyotes have a lower um, fatality rate when it comes to traffic. They've learned how to cross roads. Like you know if if that's not if that's not reason enough to fall in love with these you know with these these animals. I I don't, I don't know what is and and they're just. They're so photogenic. Like they are just, they're 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 dramatic. They're charismatic. They they look at you. I I, I certainly have bad photos of coyotes, but, but you know, but it's like you know my my. Ratio, I have one I, photo of a coyote, <laughs> and the coyote's dead. So dead, I, yeah, yeah. Better than I <laughs> well, even yeah, man. You know, they're uh, you, you know you don't always you don't always come across dead ones. Dead ones either. You know, the, the especially in, in urban centers. You know, the cities the cities pick those up. Uh, pretty quickly and you know the vultures well birds the scavengers make 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 quick work of those carcasses so good good for you for finding one i'll say they're also not easy to, well you might tell me i'm wrong but i i guess rural or countryside coyotes are more diurnal than our urban coyotes mm-hmm. and so i imagine they're harder to photograph well what what's tricky and this is true not just of coyotes but of all urban wildlife if you come across a coyote like that moment, that's that's it. Because when coyotes or any animals disappear in the city, they could go under a fence, right? They could they could go in an underpass. They can get to places where where I can't easily get to. It's not like oh, there's that coyote. I'm going to spend three or four days with it or whatever. It's gone, yeah. man. And that coyote's range um, could be separated by like houses and i'm you know i'm not jumping through people's backyards or climbing fences i i haven't got arrested yet and i'm really trying to to avoid that (laughs) so yeah i mean and you know they're like that's that's the challenge when when you see a coyote like that's your time with it whatever that moment is and it 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 goes like it it disappears you're not you're not tracking that thing for too far no, it's fleeting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I um, I was I was googling this really quick to remember the title of it. Have you read Coyote America by Dan Flores? Dan Flores, one of my like, that's one of my go-to's. I'm I'm referencing that book all the time. It's so good. Have you have you had him on? I have not. Although now you you just saying that, I'm like, <laughs> my God, maybe he'd come on the pod. And this is something that's happened to me a lot in other. In, my my background is being into reptiles and amphibians, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I there have been times that like. I wanted to reach out to a particularly famous um, herpetologist mm-hmm. and I'm always like, man, are they going to write me back? And then I'm like, 
they're not swamped with fans exactly. <laughs> it's not like it's like I'm trying to get Taylor Swift to write me back, you know. You, you know what? She she might. She might. She, you never she you might. Know, she might have a passion for urban wildlife. You know, you Billy, you, you don't know unless unless you ask, right? The worst she can say is no. <laughs> and so well, the reason I was mentioning the A, it's a great book, Coyote mm-hmm. America. Um, but B, he's got this uh, and I don't know if it's his hypothesis, but he discusses this hypothesis that um, coyotes were uh, um, a synanthropic is a term we use in the podcast sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, an animal that has evolved to live with our, the habitats we create. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he sort of posits in the book that, that coyotes were um, kind of synanthropic with pre-colonization indigenous mm-hmm. peoples. Um, so that if you were in Mesoamerican um uh, villages, cities that you would have coyotes hanging around there too. And so the way that they have adapted so quickly to, um, to, uh, I guess, European American style urbanize mm-hmm. urban areas, um, it maybe re- reflects like thousands of years of that kind of living that we don't appreciate today. Synanthropic organism. Absolutely, and and another point in that in that book, and you know he's not he's not the first to raise this. There's been a lot of research into this. Is you know for the first time, um, so you know coyotes have that history um, with spending a lot of time with with humans, but it's really only been in the last um, in in you know in North America, really the the only the last. 200 to 150 to 100 years, where they're suddenly like literally top dog because we've killed all the wolves. So yes. not not only are they are they like hey great we can like live with humans and we'll get a lot closer than the wolves will the wolves will now there are like no wolves in so many areas especially around humans where humans live so you you no longer have that that threat that competition that pressure from wolves and you have you know what is kind of seen as this this helping hand of of urbanization and and all the wonderful things that we leave out um, and the roads that we make that that coyotes have become so adapted to and and you see that if you if you if you're lucky enough to spend some time watching a coyote move around in a city they they know what they're doing they know roads they know how to jump over barriers they they find the spots they've learned so you're you're got me i was wondering something we just watched the montreal video Mm. um, Mm -hmm. at the uh, a couple nights ago Mm -hmm. and you were talking about the i forget the name of the park but the island park in montreal jean drapeau there you go um which is like Overrun with woodchucks, mm-hmm. and the and you mentioned that they introduced fo- they introduced foxes to mm-hmm. try to control the the woodchucks. And my first thought is, no, you don't use foxes to control woodchucks. You no. use coyotes to control woodchucks. Exactly. Uh, and so, but they, they, but I guess there's not. Are there coyotes on that in that park? Well, there's. I mean, there's just such a there there there's such um a, a bias right against coyotes. Okay. Nobody's introducing. Coyotes or wolves, like you know, outside of Yellowstone, um, that reintroduction. Those are Canadian wolves, by the way. Um, like you just you don't have that. It just doesn't happen. And um, you know, uh, I mean, sure, foxes are cute. They don't you know they don't bother people. Maybe farmers and chicken coops and stuff like that. But um, so so if anyone's ever been to Montreal um, along the south shore of the city, there are a couple of islands that are connected by roads, and they're awesome. And some are kind of like. Um, um, some are like super wooded others you know other parts they have like music festivals so they've they've made really good use of these islands but yeah if you go to this this genre po there are like 
these holes, these groundhog holes everywhere, like everywhere. Um, we have footage. I don't think it made it into that episode um, of, of my series, Edge of Frame, where I think there's like a family of like eight of them just hanging out in the sun, these, these, these groundhogs. So yeah, apparently foxes were introduced at one point on the island to like control the population because people were breaking their legs in these holes. Um, and, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't, uh, no, no spoilers, but that, that's, that's not where we landed our Fox photo. No. And that was, um, I won't, it's funny though. I'll say I once went to Detroit, mm-hmm. um, to an uh, urban wildlife search, mm-hmm. Um, and I'll put it this way without spoiling it. I ran into the exact same kind of problem accessing a park that I really wanted to go to. <laughs> so when you, you, it shows you driving up and encountering an obstacle. Yes. It's like, oh yeah. man, yeah, I've yeah. done that. That's one of the things with, with urban wildlife is that um, you, you can't always get to where you want to go. Like if you're, if you're in the middle of, if you're, if you're in the Arctic, if you're um, in, in the Sahara, if you're, if you're in the rainforest, generally like the road like construction is not going to be a problem like you're you're out there but in the city you know that happens all the time these these green spaces these parks um or kind of the in-between spaces they they get blocked like we're humans we're doing stuff we're on the move we're 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 adapting we're changing we're building and that um that can you know make life hard for the wildlife and the photographers trying to find them yeah and so um, I guess we'll get to the video series now, um, mm-hmm. which is what the, the impetus for reaching out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's been a, a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Oh, thank you. Um, I'll say my, uh, my four-year-old has made us rewatch the Harbor Seal <laughs> episode of Vancouver, <laughs> mainly because she wants to watch the scene where, um, where, where you are. It's, it's sort of the end of the video. You're trying yeah. to get a picture of this Harbor Seal with the yeah. skyline in the background, which means you have to get the camera essentially water level. Mm-hmm. And you're dangling off of a off of a seawall, yep. essentially. And she's like, even though she's seen it th- like now three times, she's like, but someone's going to run over his leg, um, <laughs> and like he's going to drop the camera. Is he going to fall off? And I'm like, it, it's a, just the it was it, it's it's been a, we've all enjoyed watching it. Oh, uh, great. Um, and so, what got you started in um, in in a in in this kind of like quest to go across the country? And, uh, and 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 put it and put it together as a video series. Yeah, sure. So this this series that I have called called Edge of Frame, um, there are six uh, six episodes that are out. You could you could find it by searching my name Andrew Budziak and, and Edge of Frame. It's it's on YouTube. Um, I had started during the pandemic this little project with 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 a friend of mine. I was I was kind of in the midst of photographing, you know, as many mammals as I could in in Toronto. And it was the pandemic; you couldn't go anywhere. So I I do a lot of um, directing work. I do a lot of film work. I do a lot of um, you know just just video stuff um, in in general. Uh, my background is is journalism, so there's a lot of you know documentary work there. So one of my very good friends and the camera operator now on the show, Mark Utley, um, I, I called him one day and I was like, "Hey, I've been taking photos of like deer in this this part in Toronto, and it's awesome." Do you want to come? You can borrow one of my long lenses, get your, your your awesome cinema camera, and get get footage of this of of these deers. And he's like, dude, that sounds so boring. I like I, he's not a wildlife guy. He's like, dude, I'm like, no. He's like, I don't want to do that. He's like, but what would be way more fun for me is like getting footage of you doing that, and you talk to camera. You like, let, let me just follow you. And I was like, yeah, sure. It was like the dead of winter. 
Um, it was like well below freezing. It was this beautiful crisp morning. It was so much fun. And we ended up like having this coyote encounter and seeing all this great stuff. So I took that footage home and just like edited this this short little video that was like, I don't know, five minutes. And it did, did really well. We called it Edge of Frame. It was so fun. So we did like just um, six or seven episodes in Toronto, just documenting, uh. finding urban wildlife. And um, me just out doing these doing having these like adventures and 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 as as you know i just got excited because i realized there's more than just the there's, there's there are yeah they're they're a little they're a little rough those were just like those are those were kind of uh what do you call it like um like oh, little but passion this is my project. jam i'll oh, enjoy good. watching it yeah. oh good and you know like you know you know billy from watching the series like i'm not i like to i like to say like my work is serious so i don't have to be serious like there, it's fun like you know it's a lot of screwing around and messing around and all that stuff so it was it was super fun to do and then another camera operator ryan um came along and he's the guy in the van the vancouver episode that you'll see the other camera operator he and i are scuba diving and we have a right. i have a little misadventure um and he's there he's there uh you know with me documenting the whole thing um so what happened was i did i did these episodes it was it was great it was fun. It was all DIY. We were just all doing it for for the heck of it. And then I uh, applied for some some funding, and and we got it. Right. And we stretched that budget. Like this is. Um, I don't know, man. You seem to eat at these fancy restaurants everywhere you go. Uh, well, you know, come like- on. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta give the people what they want. Food scenes, food scenes sell it. You know, food scenes are, food scenes are great. Um, food scenes are, are like, are you know. People I like how you're spending this as 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 a as a as, as a devotion to the fans. Oh, act. Oh, <laughs> big time. I can't I can't be eating all that rich food all the time, you know, in, in real life. Um, so like we 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 wanted this to look good, and I think it does look very good. It looks very good, yeah. And we wanted it to feel like a feel like a show, and the budget that we had. If if anyone in production looked at the looked at the number we had, and they're like, "You want to do what? Like, you want to travel across Canada, hit six cities." And shoot up a full like do a full up urban wildlife show like that's crazy, and 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 we did it and it looks great and now you know as the episodes are out and people are people are seeing them it's you know it was it was it's been spectacular to see and to see the response as as well and and I think uh, for a lot of people this you know very much like your podcast it's it's a gateway for people to understand a thing that they might not have heard of before. How did you pick the cities? Are there cities that is anybody in Winnipeg like, what's up, man? Like, what's wrong with Winnipeg? So I spent like, so I have a list somewhere and I think we had, um, I had 30 different episode ideas, like location and animals and all this stuff, like, um, you know, just different, different combinations. And so this, this episode, this series is six cities, six animals. And what I wanted was I, I wanted the right combination of an animal that makes sense for that city. So it, it's not just like a random place. Like I wanted, I wanted an, an animal that helped tell the story of that city or a city that helped tell the story of that, that animal. So, you know, in Vancouver, um, we did, we did Harbor seals because like you, you walk along the seawall and there are these seals like swimming beside you. It's it's phenomenal, and um, you know we really want to do that. And, and, and Saskatoon has this like brilliant like river going through it that's that's wide, and there are these these beavers that have become like um, super popular. And like we we want like, and super tame by the way. Well, this is the thing with with the beavers in that 
episode, um, you will meet a guy called Mike Degu, um, yeah, as you met the beaver guy, and and Billy, like he he loves urban wildlife more than the both of us combined. He is he. This guy is a legend. He's the sweetest. He's so awesome, and he's just a guy with a point and shoot camera, and he knows he knows he knows these beavers. And they know him. So he really walked me through how to do it. And, you know, for the series, like, ethics is, is, is huge. There's, you know, for us, there's, there's no baiting. There's no putting these animals in, like, dangerous positions. It's all, it's all done, you know, as I like, you know, properly. So he, he, he coached me through a lot of this. And in some of those spots, the beavers are just so used to people. But you, you have to know how to behave. It's like you're going into their area, their world, and there were all these like little things like you can't if they're moving if the beavers are moving you can't move or they'll take off. I know it's it's counterintuitive. It's it's unlike a lot of a lot of animal scenarios. So if if the beaver is swimming or up on land and is going towards a branch, don't move. When it sits and it gets itself sort of situated, starts eating, that's when you can move. And I don't know why. Um, I've read hmm. I've read a pretty decent amount about about beavers, and that that's something that I've I have no explanation for. But Mike spent so much time with the, these beavers; he just he just knows he just knows that that's that's the ticket. Don't move, you know. Don't move it, it, until they're stop. You know, they're, they're done moving. Then you could kind of get in and get your place. Um, and that was just that was just the motion. If it wasn't for him and his knowledge of these beavers, I wouldn't have wouldn't have landed the the, the photo that I did. Are there ones that you just didn't manage to get? Like when you're sort of setting up a very particular challenge yeah. for yourself. So the the in every city, I got. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to do too many. I don't want to give away too many spoilers here. But yeah. what I'll say was, I set up a challenge for myself to get a, a particular photo. In Edmonton, it wasn't. I didn't set out to get a photo of an animal. I set out to tell the story of an animal underpass, and I set out to tell it in a really specific, challenging, insane, complex way that was was really tricky with the time that we had and the weather. And it was that that's the one where I would say things didn't go to plan, but we were still I was still able to tell that story. I was still able to tell the story of of what I had set out to tell, and I think. Um, you know, my ego aside, I had I had like a really grandiose particular photo in mind that I wanted. And, you know, I took I, I, I stepped back, stepped out of myself for a little bit, looked at the bigger picture and just like went back to like, you know, just the basics of 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 photo storytelling. Like when you're using a collection of images to tell a story like that's a very particular kind of storytelling. And that's what I did for that for that location um we had i don't know man we had outstanding luck and things happened that i i, I can't explain it, it, the timing it was like it was hard like every city was hard um our final episode which is st john's newfoundland we <laughs> i wanted a whale i wanted a photo of a whale close to the city because they come right up to the to the mouth there and like as i'm doing it we'd been on the road for like weeks at this point we hadn't been sleeping and i'm I'm out there and we're getting blasted by you know by the wind you know the atlantic wind like ripping in and i'm just sitting there I'm like 
what like what am I doing? Um, and and that was sort of that's the final episode, the big finale, blah blah blah. Or sorry, I shouldn't say the final episode, the final travel episode. We go back to Toronto after that for the for the very last one. Um, but but like I don't know, things just things just worked out for us, and it just not to say there were challenges because <laughs> there were a lot of challenges, and all the challenges you see are very real. Um, and we just I don't know, I, I lucked out, and it just made the series so much better. I, I'll say those underpasses. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that that uh, we had an episode about um, road the impacts of roads on 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 wildlife. Um, and uh, if anyone had listened to that and is curious, like what does one of these underpasses look like? That's a great piece of um, a video to look at and 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 sort of tell the story of how they work. Uh, it, I think I probably won't give too much away to say that at least in a couple episodes, I think we've seen four. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, there are challenges posed by humans, yeah, which is something that I, I, it's obvious to me as someone who likes to explore urban cities for wildlife and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's a it's a particularly urban kind of challenge. Um, like you, you're you're sitting there in this underpass waiting for these kids to stop graffitiing. Yeah, um, the, the the underpass. Uh, <laughs> sort of like, and I, I'm thinking like first I'm thinking like. I'm thinking they're totally going to steal his camera. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then I'm also just thinking I've I know this feeling. My I've been there where you're like I'm going to go here for me. It's often I'm going to go here and like yeah. look under stuff for snakes. And you get there and someone's having a picnic and you're just yep. like I suppose I could lift up all these objects and look under them for snakes, but it's going to feel real weird if those people are sitting there like looking at me and 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 sometimes I just go do it anyways. And sometimes I have great conversations with people and like turn yeah, them on to yeah. stuff. Uh, but there's also just it's it's the challenge of uh, imagine you run into this a lot um, in cities where where uh, especially if you're trying to get pictures of something that could get spooked somehow um, that, uh, that 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 episode really like tickled me in that way. So I'll give you I'll give you two answers, and if this one's uh, uh, a little too uh, a little too R rated for the uh, for the podcast, you could cut it. Then I'll give a I'll give a different answer after that. I had this scope. This wasn't part of the series. I had this spot picked out. Um, I do nighttime camera trap stuff, so I have this big setup with the sensor and this camera and these flashes and all this stuff, and I, I leave it out. And I had and it takes me like sometimes weeks to find a spot that's going to work. So um, down um, on on the south shore of, of, of Toronto or on kind of the lakeside of Toronto, um, I had this like spot picked out. It was amazing. Um, I could tell that a lot of animals were kind of cutting through the reeds and there's this pinch point between the reeds and the water. There was like all, there were so many animal tracks there um, that I couldn't, like I couldn't discern them. Like there, I could tell a few, but it was like, it was so crazy. Um, and then there's this little, like, tiny little grassy spot. I'm like, I'll put my camera in that grassy spot. I'll set up. It's super secluded. Like, I can leave my stuff out. No one's gonna, no one's gonna mess with it. So I had my bags, like everything ready to go. I carried it down there. The sun was just setting. Part of these reeds, and there were two people having sex right there. And I'm just like, okay, you know what? This, this isn't the wildlife I was looking for. So hey, I packed up my bags and went home. I'm like, well, you know, there we go. And my wife was like, why are you home early? I'm like, just don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> it it wouldn't ask. be the first man. I have I've definitely shown up to spots mm-hmm. to go look for critters. And there's a car parked there and the car's rocking. Mm-hmm. And I and I you sort of like 
And part of me was like, well, oops, I should give them the privacy. And part of me was like, no, I'm just going to walk around their damn car. If you're going to have sex in a car in a public place, like, I'm really sorry. I'm not, like, going to peek in your window. But, like, I'm not going to go out of my way to avoid your car when you're doing something that, you know, frankly, if you care that much about privacy, you wouldn't be doing it here. Um, Animals animals being animals, right? So that – so – with that, with that Edmonton episode, we were like, like you say, it's just such a good example of how our designs that are usually really bad for animals, but our designs can like help. Um, and these underpasses are awesome. And the first one that we were at is like, it's this weird like spaceship design. You could like see up between the highway. It's triple decker. It's impossible to imagine unless you could like see the episode. So well, no, but this is something that came up before in this previous episode we did that, that the you have the multiple levels for different animals that have different preferences for how they what they're comfortable moving across. That that was fascinating to see. Yeah, absolutely, and it's such a it's such a cool thing to see. So as we were setting up these, like we heard this music, and we saw this kind of like group of people walking towards us, and I mean, we have we probably had I don't know like well over hundred thousand dollars worth of worth of gear with us. And, you know, these are cinema cameras. These are, these are lenses. I have all my stuff and like my nighttime camera trap stuff, that stuff I've ordered from, from the UK. Like you can't go to Best Buy or whatever future shop and right. buy this that is, stuff. For those who are curious, we're not talking about a $50 game cam here. No, <laughs> no, this is, this is like a, a, like a DSLR triggered by this like special sensor flashes, um, stands, clamps, all of this stuff. And I'm like getting it set up and this kind of group moves towards us and i'm like oh boy like this this could be re-. and i'm just in my head i'm like okay i'll like negotiate that we get to keep the memory cards right like that's at this point i'm like we could still kind of salvage something so then like they come up and they're like they're like 15 they don't care right they're just like hey hey we're like hey so they're just like tagging we're trying to shoot like an episode and they're blasting music so like I'm like I don't I'm like I don't know what to do. So at one point, like, see this is the episode. Like there are sirens and the cops are coming and they're just kind of like, Ugh, all right. They finish up their tagging and move on. They it was funny too. They came by. They're like, good night, guys. Have a good night. Like good luck with your photos. We're like, thanks. Good luck not getting arrested. Aww. <laughs> it was sweet. It was good. They were good so, kids. Some very sweet graffiti punks. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, on a less positive human interaction note. Um, I appreciated your annoyance at finding a bunch of people feeding raccoons um, in the Montreal episode. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I'll say there's, uh. there's an episode in Philadelphia where a few years ago, um, uh, there are some people who feed a lot of outdoor cats, which is our own frustration. Mm-hmm. And they um, and they had like found an opossum fe- eating at one of their, their cat feeding spots Um and then they decided to take it home because they thought it needed help. And like, so they had sort of like, it, which is, which, which, which is, A, it's illegal in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. Pennsylvania, well, most of the United States, uh, probably Canada too, uh, to just take home a wild animal for a pet. Yeah. Because um, you feel like it. And then there's, it, it's just, the, it, it just didn't need to be done. Like it's a possum, like you're already kind of messing with their lives in a way by putting this like, dumping food into their lives in an artificial way. Um, and and they look like 
Possums are look like bumbling idiots, but they manage, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, sorry, I, I, I felt a kindred spirit with you oh, when, when I saw your reaction man. to those guys. So there's, there's, a, there's, there's a equally crazy scene in, in the St. John's uh, Newfoundland episode. Oh, but dear. we, yeah, we came up on these people like feeding raccoons, and there were like twenty raccoons, and there are people with these like bags of dog food, and. This is what happens, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know this, but this is the cycle. People feed wildlife. They get comfortable. They come out. Maybe it's just one. Maybe it's just two. And then whatever it is, um, coyote, um, uh, you know, raccoon, fox. And then the animals expect it. They come Bear, out. Bear, Andrew. People bears. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Hand feeding. Yeah, bring marshmallows or whatever to the dump. And and so so like for instance in this in this case it was people with with like um, kibbles like dog food kind yeah. of kibbles. The raccoons are coming up, eating from their hands, and then they're like petting and like wrestling and like grabbing the scruff of their necks. I saw that guy pet the raccoon. Yeah, I was like, like, oh. So so yeah. So what happens is people are curious. They they come over. They'll see these things. And I, I, I'm telling you, what's going to happen in that spot? This you know. Um, Maybe it's happened already. It's going to happen soon. A kid's going to get close. That kid's going to get bit by the raccoon. The city's going to come in, and then they're going to kill all of those raccoons. That happened in Vancouver with with the coyotes in, in Stanley Park. These it happens all over the place, and the, the animals aren't doing anything wrong. The animals are just being animals, and people are being idiotic. Um, and oftentimes, I mean, people. I mean, you should common sense, right? Don't 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 do this. But then the city's like, and, and you know, I don't know if this is the case in Philly, but. It's certainly the case in in a lot of places in Canada and in other cities I know in the states. There's not the education. There aren't the signs. These bylaws that are there aren't being enforced because, like you know, nobody wants to pay for a bylaw officer to stand there and, and have this person be like, "Hey, like, don't give that wild animal dog food. Don't put your hand in that wild animal's like rabies vector animal's mouth. You know, don't don't do that." Um, so that's that's why these things happen, and you see you see a moment of that in in Montreal in the Montreal episode. You see a moment of that um, in the uh, St. John's episode, and it was it was disheartening. And at, and in the moment, I was so miserable that I was like seeing this, but we rolled on it because I wanted to to tell that story, show the danger, and like have have conversations about it with with people like you in this in this instance, right? Because it it is it seems so innocent. But it's just like it's it's one of the worst things you can do. No, it feels like you're like people feel feed squirrels, they feed birds, and I mean, which are all creatures that don't pose much of a real risk to our health or safety. Um, it's when you start feeding animals that that, as you're pointing out, are rabies vectors, mm-hmm. um, and then bigger animals like coyotes, even if they're not rabies vectors, they it's rare, but they've been documented killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you just really it's it's profoundly bad idea and there's the expression with bears you know fed bear is a dead bear yep um and it's it, it basically applies to these two this is this is too sour a note to end on though um <laughs> i want to uh so we're going to wrap up in a minute i, I what i I'll, I'll i'll ask you is there um uh, was pick a pick a moment in the the series where you really got surprised by something that the animals were doing honestly i had never spent this isn't the this isn't the first time. I mean, all the interactions were were phenomenal and like breathtaking, and I'll remember them for the rest of my life. But the harbor seals, like they are, they're figuring you out. I'm like, oh, these guys are smart. Like they 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 know me. They recognize me. They're kind of swimming around, and they're just they were so entertaining, and they were playing and playing and playing. 
and I was I was getting my photos and they were so dynamic and I spent so much time with them over the two days that I was shooting them. And I'm just like, I love these animals. I loved watching it. So I was I was glad to hear to, um, that your, uh, your your kid liked that episode and I'll show maybe this this shirt too. I'll hold this up if you could see it and I'll read it out. I bought this there. Oh, there. It says, I just freaking love seals and it's got a picture of a of a harbor seal there. I just happen to be wearing this this shirt today that I that I picked up in Vancouver on that shoot. But if you're ever in a city where you can you can get to harbor seals um and you know they you know they kind of show up and just get there because it's it's incredible you develop an appreciation for these animals and I, like I promise you, you know, you're going to rethink the waterways in in any city, right? Because you're like, man, there is life under there and it is busy and it is beautiful. Excellent point. Um, one last thing I'll ask you is, uh, what's next? So I want to I want to do more of this. Um, my my goal is to is to continue with this series um, in in some way. I want to take it international. I want to do this across the states. I've got cities in, in Europe in mind. In Asia, I've been lucky enough to to, to have previously traveled to places like Japan, um, uh, India, Pakistan um, for un, for reasons unrelated to wildlife. But these places, like these cities. Um, that I visited or, you know, bustling with animals that I, I never get to see and seeing them there is phenomenal. So I'd love to go with my camera. I'd love to tell these stories. I'd, I'd love to have fun and I'd love to replicate what I've, what I've just done in Canada. And, and hopefully that some of your listeners will, will be able to go and check out the series and see, see how much fun it is. And then just like take, take that experience globally. That, that would be, that would be the next step. I have two words for you. Raccoon dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they're on my list. They are on my list. They, Billy, they, it's so funny. That is like, they are so high up there. I have cities picked out where we're going to see them because like you said, raccoon dogs, what, what else do you need? That's that. There's the pitch right there. We, we had an episode years ago. Um, where I figured out that these things do exist, do occur in urban areas in Japan. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God. Oh God. Yeah. How cool yeah. is that? And then I encountered their whole, the whole mythology mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is which starts sounding off, start, starts off sounding dirty, but in Japan was not considered sexually dirty. No, um, which is that uh, it, they would appear in like this is hundreds of years ago. They would appear in like mythology, but also in in art mm-hmm. um, as they're sort of almost personified, like looking half like a person. Mm-hmm. But their magical power is that their scrotums can expand mm-hmm. enormously, mm-hmm. so that like there's these. These paintings, which again are not pornographic, they're just sort of like, this just sort of like this is, in a way, like in the culture, body parts aren't considered necessarily dirty in the, the way that we would think of it in our sure. prudish culture. Um, and so you've got like a picnic party out, and oh no, it's raining, and the <laughs> raccoon dog saves the day by expanding the scrotum to cover the whole picnic party. Um, and it's I've seen those. I've seen those hilarious. Add it all yeah. up, and they're just this great animals. I think they've gotten a bad wait. Maybe they have been involved with with COVID as a vector, um, but it's not their fault. That's not their fault. And and they're just awesome little animals. Oh, um, so good. Yeah. I know. I know you're wrapping this up shortly. Can I sell you on coming to Toronto or anybody listening um, as an urban wildlife destination? So so here's let me here's my little pitch. Okay. So I've got five short episodes online. You could find those. Central Park. Eight hundred and forty three acres that's how big it is we know how big central park is um the john hines urban wildlife refuge 1000 acres kind of the east side of toronto we have the don valley 
which is a river system that goes from way north of the city down to the lake. It's like, it's massive. And the basin of that, which contains like housing and development stuff like that, but the basin, so what feeds into the the river system there um, from the south all the way to the north. So once again, Central Park, 843 acres. Um, John Hines, 1,000. Don Valley River Basin, 89,000 acres. That's enormous. Although I would say that's not why I would go to Toronto for wildlife. Um, I would just go on trash night and just like watch raccoons try to bust into trash cans. So is that is, um, so? That's the reputation. Like Toronto has is that that's a reputation you the know most that badass raccoons. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, that's something that people outside of Toronto know about. Oh, that's interesting. Oh yeah. Me. Yeah, I thought that was just. Like oh, an, no. I thought that was an us thing. Oh no, it's it's something because when you get into urban wildlife literature, um, it is it's a it's a it's a hot topic, and mm-hmm. then. There have been studies of raccoon, call it intelligence, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. problem-solving abilities yep. is a probably more neutral way to put it. Yep. Um, looking at urban versus uh, rural raccoons, mm-hmm. look using Toronto. There's a researcher who does this. I guess I forget her name. Yeah, she's out of York uh, University. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a uh, it, it it well, I don't know if it, people who aren't into urban wildlife know about it, mm-hmm. but I think once you start into the world of urban wildlife, the raccoons of Toronto are famous. And, and, um, and, <laughs> and this is a, this is a this is a perfect uh, place to wrap because that is where the final episode of the series is. It's it's in Toronto, and we do a raccoon episode. I don't think you'd have to convince me very much to come to to Toronto for for wildlife. Um, hey, it's also just a great city. <laughs> it, it is it is a great city. Um, and 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 that professor we were talking about, um, Suzanne McDonald, she does the she does that that intelligence work, and it's it's super cool. Toronto is a phenomenal city. Um, for for our green space, for our wildlife, just to kind of hang out and see. You could see you could come see the see the raccoons. I'll I'll give you the tour. We could see the ones that live up in the trees. Um, you know, and then the ones that uh, patrol the streets. And we could go to down to Spadina where you got some real seriously like oh, these are these are your these are your street raccoons man these are these are epic but they're they're cool to watch they're they're smart and hey we got like good noodle spots too so you can you know when you're done watching raccoons you go for some late some late night uh foe or something like that that sounds wonderful um well thank you very much for coming on uh this is a it's fun talking to you it's, it's funny when you watch someone's videos and you get to see them and talk to them you're like hey i'm talking to a celebrity <laughs> Um, <laughs> Hardly. I don't know if celebrities in urban wildlife, if that if that will ever, those two will ever, uh, those you, phrases you, will ever match. You've, you've hit that intersection, man. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate it. I hope we have good reasons. Uh, lots will. I hope we have reasons to interview you in the future. Um, I hope to get up to Toronto and, and see some of these raccoons. Awesome. Flash. Hit me up. Thank you, Billy. This has been a blast.